with Alan Moore. Good evening, one and all. And uh, Dimitri staying with us in the studio for just a moment. Dimitri, okay, big game on uh, Saturday, of course. I'm not talking about uh, Russia and Argentina. I'm talking about Ireland and Denmark. So, what do you reckon? What's the weather going to be like in Copenhagen on uh, or Copenhagen even on Saturday evening? That evening around five or seven degrees Celsius, which is okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe occasional showers. But well, that's pretty decent. What do you reckon, Katarina? Nice. Good. You mean the weather? Yeah. It's always nice. Plus five, plus seven is quite yeah, okay. When it's inside, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it's plus thirty. So okay, so uh, it's going to be nice weather in, uh, in 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 Copenhagen. What about in in Moscow? Will Lionel Messi freeze his little uh, Argentinian toes off? For Messi, well, I, I don't know, maybe occasional showers and plus three to four ah. degrees Celsius. But showers, be... it could be um, the key problem for players. I don't okay. know. We'll see, we'll see. Anyway. It should be good. What, are you looking forward to it? Of course, yeah. 74,000 tickets have been sold for Go the away. game. They've got a couple of more thousand. Yes, 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 yes. Whoa. That's a huge amount of tickets to go for a game. It's and a big so... event. One of the best football players in the world came to Moscow and reports say he'll start playing from kickoff. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's really, really good. Because in all fairness, there is that big issue many times when these like you know, top teams come in, they don't feel the full side. I mean, you've got even like there's different cases where they don't even put in a real team. It's like kind of a bit of a joke, like, you know, but this is great. Messi's going to play. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a great way and fair play to the Russian Football Union for making this happen. Oh, fairness. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big event. Yeah. And no guys, doubt, no if doubt. you're listening to me, you know, give us tickets here, like, because we'd like to get some tickets. What do you reckon? Yeah, Saturday evening. Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we go off because at, at uh, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> at ten forty-five, then the kickoff is uh, between uh, Ireland and Denmark. So we're Moscow time. Moscow, Moscow time. time. Yeah, yeah. Moscow so it's going to be a late. If Ireland win, it's going to be a great Saturday night. If Ireland lose, well, what the hell? It's going to be a good night anyway. So, but so? it's an away game for you. It so is. You'll it have is, a it chance. Is. Listen, for if, a rematch at home. Exactly. If we just get a goal away from home, that's it. The Danes, their helmets will be spiked. They will have no horns on their helmets, so we'll be very, very but good. But the so. draw is not enough. You'll be driving. You, you'll be in the driving seat. Oh, anyway, of course. If, exactly. If you manage to score away, yeah, an away that's goal. If, if we draw, if we score a goal away from home, Ekaterina, that counts as two goals. So basically, Denmark have to come back and score at least one goal in Ireland. Okay. So it's like you know, it's, it, it's kind of an incentive to score away from home. Like to score as when you're a guest, so that's that's pretty decent. Yeah, decent. Okay, you, you should be alright, guys. You should be. Fine. I I believe so. I believe so. Okay, so we're going to see you at the uh, top of the next hour. Yep. Super, super duper. Thanks, Dimitri. Okay, so I'm here, of course, with Ekaterina Bishkova, our wonderful, wonderful tennis legend, and of course, DJ Ali Knight is still here. So she kicked uh, Eli T out of the studio because he's busy working hard. He's actually making the script for me, making it easier for me. So, uh, folks, this is Capital Sports, of course, on Moscow's Capital FM, the best source for news, reviews, previews, and interviews in the English language on mainland Europe. Again, I'm Alan Moore. And again, I'm Ekaterina Bishko, and we have some mega show for you tonight. European football, Russian and English Premier Leagues, KHL hockey, American football, and World Cup 2018 qualifiers. Yep, it's going. It's all coming at you very, very hard. So we're going to preview the World Cup qualifiers, which which start um, uh, actually t- start tomorrow night. Um, and yeah, and uh, so we've got the of course the European qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers for European sides, and we've got the last rounds uh, in Africa and the Inter-Confederation playoffs, of which there are two ties. Uh, can I say who they are before I forget? No, we also have two experts <laughs> on the line to preview all these matches and we have highlights from interviews we took at the Lokomotiv Moscow Sheriff Tiraspol Europa League last week match uh-huh. where we got to speak with some really wonderful people and also raise more money for young children in need through the Charity Bet Challenge. Yeah, we did the same as well on uh, Sunday at the very, very fiery Lokomotiv Siska showdown, the Moscow Derby. And actually, of uh, our three wagers on Sunday, two of them came home. So that was just brilliant. So it was like, I mean, a good time on stage as well. Uh, and when I think back of our guest list the last two matches alone, I mean, I don't know how on earth we did. Well, of course, Dennis Vodov from local, he he is a major, major uh, driver. Uh, you did some too. Well, not that much. Don't, you, don't you, be that modest, No, no, no. But you, you, you really, really helped with uh, Dmitry Belukin as well, because you know from childhood. Uh, and he really, really brought the crowds in on, on uh, Thursday. Yeah, that's true. That was unbelievable. And this is amazing like how the people still remember him. I actually oh. was surprised. And, and people asking for selfies and just like yeah, I was I, I was honestly I was surprised because he, he he used to play when I was I was like I don't know 15. He's not retired that long though. He's only retired and for he, four years or something. But still, 
Still. Yeah, that's what he, yeah, that's what he told us. He played just 15 games for the for the Russian team and exactly. every, everybody remembers him. That's cool. It's good. It's good. I mean, no, he's, and he's a lovely guy as well. We also had um, the general director of Hankook Tires. We had the CFO, uh, David O'Rourke, who won a lot of money as well for, for, for the young child on uh, uh, Sunday. Uh, he's, of course, with Deloitte and Barry Sheridan, of course, our, our great friend from uh, American Express as well. So it was, it was very a, lucky one, by the way. Very lucky. And Arthur <laughs> Hendrick as well from the, the Irish Consul in Russia. So it was great. So before we get started, before we go do any reviews or previews or news, uh, we're going to have a quick chat with a very good friend of the show. And he is he is brilliant and all. He's a brilliant all rounder, especially with boxing. He is the senior sports editor with uh, Russia Today. Danny Armstrong, are you on the line? Yeah, man, Alan, how you doing? Good to speak to you. Very, very good. Listen, Danny, I made a promise to you earlier on. I won't reveal it on yeah. the air, but it's in process. <laughs> thank you very much for not revealing it. But yeah, thank you uh, yeah. very much for keeping you with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even cause trouble, Danny. So listen, <laughs> da- Danny, listen, uh, one quick thing. Yeah. Last night I was in the studio with a, a, a friend of ours, Andrew Farmer, and Andy McLean as well. Uh, and we, yeah. were, we were talking um, about this, this whole like the, the doping situation with the New York Times mm-hmm. um, article that was out yesterday. Now listen, today... Today, today there was a really well, quite a few articles. I know you were writing about it as well about Tyson Fury. Listen, yeah. if if like he's suing now the uh, UK anti-doping because he, of course, he failed the test and so on. Do you reckon mm-hmm. this is as bad as it is for UK? And do you think will he, you know, will he, will he, you know, win? Um, well, the thing is with Tyson Fury, he never actually failed the test. He just said he had ed- elevated levels, so there was never any real sort of concrete evidence that he did fail the test. Um, now, there's been a few things that have come out of Tyson Fury's Twitter account today uh, that have been a little bit curious. He's been talking about money isn't everything, all the fast cars and all the fame and all the, you know, the, the byproducts of, of having a successful boxing career don't really mean anything to him. So whether that means that he's, he's setting aside sort of this threat to UCAD to sue them for loss of earnings, unless they, if, we, if we're talking about lawsuits, UCAD have only got, I think it's $8 million allowance a year. And if Fury sees him for loss of earnings over two years, let's not forget he, he makes five million pounds a fight. You kind of in really, really big trouble. But um, it's, it's a really funny one for Tyson Fury. Um, he's as a character. I mean, I know him kind of. I won't say I know him personally, but he's, he's well known around sort of my area of Manchester. Yeah. Um, and I've got it on good authority that he's not. Been keeping clean to his um, training regime, um, sort of out of. He has that. He has a reputation of like piling on the pounds, a little bit like uh, Ricky Hatton, you know. That's that's the thing, but but um, I've got it on quite good authority that he's not been keeping clean either. Um, Whether that is going to have any uh, going to have any bearing on any case, I know he's got a hearing in December, and he's thinking about making a comeback in 2018. But the whole thing with UK is just a little bit strange. I mean. I, I can't. I can't really see him uh, as daft as he sounds. I can't really see him um, suing him for uh, loss of earnings. However, the, the, the big thing is about Luis Ortiz, who's another heavyweight boxer. He's got a, a one-year ban. He was caught cheating. Uh, he's got a one-year ban. So for UK to ban him for a year and then to keep Tyson Fury in limbo for two years, it's it's, it's just it's a bit matter. much. It's a bit much, Danny. Yeah, Danny, yeah. listen, you, Katarina has a question. She's yeah, she's tapping me on the arm here, so she's like, Katarina come on, come here. on. And I know hey. you, yeah, hello. And uh, I've heard your beloved Reds lost on the weekend. And I just wonder, is the season they did. over? Thank you. Thank no, you very sorry, much for I'm reminding really, me about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> sorry. I know what is it and no, <laughs> how yeah. could you feel. But still, I just wonder about uh, what is it about their season? Like, is it done? Uh, well, how do you think? I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't great in the weekend, was it? It really wasn't. Um, on any other day, I would say a 1-0 loss at Stamford Bridge. I mean, when have we ever come away from Stamford Bridge with, with a result? It's just, I've, I've been down there many a time. I don't think I've ever seen Man United win. But the thing is, um, there's a lot of weak points in the side. Mkhitaryan looks about a stone overweight, very slow. Um, we're sorely missing Pogba and the people that we've got to replace him, such as Herrera. Matter, they're just not stepping up, um, and a lot of it, a lot of Elijah manager, a lot of Elijah Mourinho, he plays seven defensive players away again. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same sort of nullifying tactics that he used against Liverpool. He's, 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 he's recorded against Manchester United at the top six. He's Danny, never won one in, but, in eight games. But that's listen, Danny. You know, you you're you're like very honest, dude, and and uh, you're mm. a United fan. Is yeah. Mourinho the the man for United right now? Would you reckon? No, I believe he is. I believe he is. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, I'm not one of those. You know me, Alan, to turn yeah. against sort of uh, the manager when it gets going. When it 
the tough gets going. Um, it's all going to rest on the derby on the 12th of December. That game's going to come around quick. It's only four games away. Yeah. And it's going to be even more important because Manchester United play Arsenal away uh, the week before. So it, it, it all hinges on that. But um, I'm... I'm pro Mourinho. I'm, I'm, I'm behind the manager. Well, listen, so, um, lots of people can be behind the manager, but they'll have knives in their hands. But anyway, that's another thing, Danny. But listen, you're not. I know you back him and you give him time as well. Uh, just to let you know, Danny, that uh, City are 12 to 1 to go and beat him for the season. 12 to 1? Yeah. Was that a bet you take? I'm not too sure. At the start of the season, I didn't really make City it's that well. I thought they were a bit vulnerable. I thought they were a bit vulnerable at the back. Yeah. I'm neither a be- I'm neither a betting man nor a Manchester City fan, so no, I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, listen, Danny. Thank you very, very much. Listen, I'm going to catch. Listen, if you're around on Saturday evening after you go to the uh, Argentina uh, Russia game, let's let's uh, grab something in Katie's and Mokovoya. Yeah, okay, brilliant. You get yourself a date, then, Mr. Moore. Thank you very, very thank much. You, okay, thanks, Danny. Right, thanks. thanks very much. Thanks, thank guys. You. All right, bye. Okay, so that was Danny Armstrong, the senior sports editor with Russia Today. Always great to have on the air, and we'll get him to the studio quite soon. So, uh, right now, uh, we're just going to have a little look ahead about, um, in just a couple minutes, we want to speak with uh, a Danish expert, and he can let us know whether Denmark are going to beat Ireland. I don't believe so, but anyway, uh, very, very quick uh, thing. Uh, Honduras and Australia, they're meeting for a spot in Russia. The first game is in San Pedro Sula in Honduras on the 10th. That's the day after tomorrow. And the return leg is in Sydney on the 15th. Honduras are aiming to be at their fourth World Cup and their third in a row, which is pretty good for a little Central American country. And since their first taste of the high life in 1982, they have yet to win a match in the World Cup uh, finals and have drawn three and lost six. Most of their players are home-based with very, very few playing in Europe. One, of course, is in Saudi Arabia and a few are in Mexico and the USA. Their Colombian head coach, Jorge Luis Pinto Afanador, I hope I said that correctly, was the magician who not only qualified Costa Rica, everyone's laughing at me here in the studio, uh, for the 2014 World Cup, but also got them to the quarterfinals of that competition. So Australia, who are higher ranked and going for their fifth World Cup outing, they're not going to have it easy. So sorry, Aussies. Uh, we saw Australia uh, this June in the Confederations Cup. They drew two and lost one of their matches. So for them, a return to Russia is a must. They need to keep it going. Uh, yeah, and I have a question about Australia, by Go the way. Ahead. Why are they not in Oceania? Why are they in Asia? Ah, you're you're thinking ahead because you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah because, I know that it's, uh, uh, normally I know, it's, it's I know. mixed. Asia and Oceania, but still. I know. It's now a, it separates somehow. And well, basically because they wanted to up uh, the quality of football uh, in Australia. And they were always having it easy. They were hammering people like 31-0. They beat uh, America, American Samoa. And uh, they had no competition. So then when they got to a playoff or to a World Cup finals, they just didn't have that little bit of a bite. So going into Asia up the level of competition and also give a bit more fair play to Oceania. So. That's quite smart. Alan, yeah. go on and please with the previews. Okay, all right, okay. Very, very quickly. Um, so we're going to get Magnus, Magnus Kraft on the line uh, from Denmark in just a moment. So, yes, yeah, so Aussie's uh, neighbours, New Zealand, the Kiwis, they will have to try and get past Lokomotiv Moscow's Jefferson Farfan and Peru in the other playoff. The Kiwis gave a very good account to themselves this summer in Russia. Uh, they losing, uh, they lost all of their uh, three matches, but they were playing against motivated and pretty tough sides as well in that group. They, of course, they lost against Russia in the first game, 2-0. So they've got a good young coach, experienced players from good leagues and they want to make it to their third World Cup finals. Peru were at the first ever World Cup in 1930 and uh, they've played in three afters but haven't been to a final since 1932. The great, great underachievers of South American football. Now they're ranked 10th in the world and they start as scorching hot favourites. Uh, that first match is in Wellington on the 11th and the second leg in the Estadio Nacional in Lima on the 15th. I said that well, didn't I? Yeah. I got it right. Yes, okay, yes. so we're going to Magnus. Yeah. Okay, so right now on the line we have this guy. He, if if no one else can explain Danish football, this guy will. Uh, so we have Magnus Kraft on the line all the way from Copenhagen. He, you can follow him on at Kraft Magnus on Twitter. So, first question, Magnus, uh, is this your first time in Russian Hello. radio? First time ever, yeah. Okay, that's very, very good. Well, it won't be the last. I hope it won't be the last. Um, So listen, Magnus, uh, tell us about this Danish team that are playing Ireland uh, in the the two-leg playoff. Uh, What do you rate the chances are of Denmark getting through? Well, I think that Denmark has to be rated as favourites for this game. Uh, I think for me, there's no doubt that Denmark is definitely the most technically gifted side. Um... But the Irish team is, and excuse me for being a little bit cliched here, maybe, but, but the Irish team will always be difficult to face just because of their commitment, their support from the stands, the fact that they're so tactically stable. 
on the Martin O'Neill, I think so. Uh, so this will not be an easy game for, for the Danish national team. Um, I think the big talking point up to these two games would, would, will probably be the injuries uh, for both teams. Uh, Denmark might miss the captain, Simon Kjær from, from Sevilla, uh, who's a doubt he injured himself against Barcelona this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Nikolaj Janssen, uh, the striker from, from final, is a big concern because of a wrist injury. He was the top scorer in the Eredivisie in Holland last year. So um, so that will be a big, big problem for Denmark as well if, if we might miss him. Uh, Henrik Dalsgaard, a right back, will definitely be out. Um, he's from from Brentford, and even though he's not the most prolific player, uh, he's been doing really, really well this uh, this qualification campaign. Well, I mean, so, that's, yeah, that's, I think the injuries for Denmark as well as for Ireland is, uh, is a problem. That's is, is really well you said that actually because yeah of course De- you know Denmark they're very skillful they're a nice uh, tidy football inside but uh, of course Ireland will be um, you know they'll be without of course uh, Seamus Coleman who was leading the charge yeah. in France last year who was so good until he got broken up against Wales um, overall mm. though overall I mean where where do you see the Danish strengths as being? Well, I think I can probably. Uh, mentioned the, the the Danish strengths with, with one name, Christian Eriksen right now. Uh, this qualification campaign, he's been absolutely magnific- magnificent. Eight goals, three assists. Um, he used to, to struggle a little bit on the Danish national team under the former coach, uh, but he's really, really flourished. This uh, qualification campaign is number 10. Uh, he was used to be playing on the, on the wing, uh, being you know pretty isolated out there, but you know uh, as number 10, yeah. He's been really, really good. Also, I think it's worth worth mentioning a player like Thomas Delaney of mm-hmm. uh, Bremen. He has he's a, had a really, really bad start of the season with his club, uh, but he's been playing amazingly well for for Werder, uh, uh-huh. as well as for Denmark. He's got a hat trick in a very, very important game away at Armenia. Um, so, so he's a player that you should probably look out for. Uh, I mentioned Nikolaj Jansen before. Uh-huh. If he's out, I think we might expect to see uh, no less than Niklas Bentner. Uh, as a striker. Uh, well, I mean, it's against, with with uh, with, with Thomas Delaney. Of course, he is uh, of Irish heritage, so like we're not we're we're not adverse to giving away some of our good players. But listen, uh, Magnus, uh, just before <laughs> before we let you go, um, quick prediction: what do you reckon? What uh, what scoreline? Put it on the line first. I think the feeling in Denmark is that everyone will be really really disappointed if we don't go to the to the World Cup. Uh, for me, this will have I mean, I can't see it in, uh, in any other way than being pretty close. I think Denmark will qualify in the end just because they're so technically gifted. We have a lot of pretty young players, uh, and yeah, we, uh, I think we have to beat this, this island side. Okay, that's great. Listen, Magnus Scrap, we're going to get you back on after the uh, results, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, yeah. see, we'll see who comes out on top. Okay, Magnus, thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank you. Hey. Okay, so that was Magnus Kraft uh, at Kraft Magnus on Twitter. So just follow him along to see what he's saying about uh, Danish football. What do you reckon, no, Katrina? Quite happy. Well, I was not quite happy. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Did you see my face? <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, Eli T was looking at me yeah. as well, and he was just like, he was just going, yeah, yeah. Now he's making faces at me. Yeah, Eli. Yeah, but actually, Eli, from, those 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 pies were poisoned. The so there you go. Conversation <laughs> I've heard. What I realized that the chances are still equal. You know, because I both think so the, too. Yeah, because both teams uh, lost some players, and it's just like still. And when it's the match, like for the way up. Yeah. It's not only about uh, like good players or good tactic or something. It's it. also psychology. It. And, Listen, and I know how it. many I'm times? How many times? Like, just give me one example of you when you uh, okay. Apart from Kuznetsova, when you beat someone who should have beaten you, would you just bet them because you were like you know more committed or, st- yeah, or tougher? Yeah, of course. It's give a, me one example. No, one example. I Go will on. not remember. Give me two now. examples. <laughs> two examples. <laughs> I will not remember now. Okay, give me an no, example I... of someone who beat you. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like on small tournaments, you know how many times and also uh, when you are like a better player, like everybody thinks, uh, you also have this, um, you, you feel more re- responsibility on yourself, you know, that you have to win uh-huh. and that you have to qualify, but you, you, you don't have to, you just like, you just have to go and play and just that's it. And also in, but team Team competition, it's a little bit different, you know, because we play like individual. But what I think about team games, let's say like this. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What I think about team games, it's mm. also very important about the coach. 
That's true. And I think our coach is better than theirs. So anyway, there we go. Okay, okay we'll so, see. so, so we're going to play out uh, this because, of course, Ireland play away. So they need to stay alive, as we were discussing with Dimitri as well. So this next song, well, when you hear it, you're going to just want to start walking. You're going to think of John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever and so on. You're going to think of being cool. You'll feel sexy. Yet very, very often when I've heard this in an arena or at an event, it's, well, it's usually used in, say, ice hockey when they've just killed a penalty and are back to first, uh, full strength. It's used for Werder Bremen after the halftime whistle is blown. And most recently, I heard of the football match in Ireland, I won't say what team, uh, when the team hung on to a 1-0 win at the end of the 90 minutes. So if you are walking, you'll begin to strut. If you're in the car, you'll suddenly be in the street, uh, carrying a tin of paint, well, in your head anyway, wearing a wide neck gigolo shirt just like Eli T, and you'll be feeling pretty fine. So whatever you're doing right now, get ready to smile. This is the Bee Gees and staying alive. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Okay, and of course, my lovely colleagues, two beautiful women here in the studio with me, played a brilliant trick on me because they're like, you know, <laughs> because I was like, well, fuming listening on the phone that time to Denmark. They're like, Alan, now it's back to 10 14 and a bottle of Clontarf. So two tries going to war. Thank you very much, Katrina. That was a really good trick. Um, it was. <laughs> I know. I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be like, yeah, come on. Like, we'll be strolling down the street and strutting our stuff. And then it's like, Ollie and her are smiling at each other. And Eli T's in the studio, like, like waving and winking at me, going, Alan, Alan, don't trust them. And they set me up. So there you go. So Happy two tribes. <laughs> are you... Thank you. My birthday was yesterday, but I don't need that surprise today. Right, OK, right, we're back on to the Russian Football Premier League before we go to a call to the UK. So, in the Russian Premier League, we had a crunch weekend for all the top teams and a very good result for Dinamo, surprisingly. 
Uh, Spartak, they over, uh, overturned a one-goal deficit, just like Lubala Pekarska said on Sunday, and they beat Ufa 3-1 on Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. Uh, the home side were by far the better team, and even though Ufa got stuck in, they were well beaten in the end. OK, at the same time, Zeni kicked off up at home against Rubin Kazan. The final score was nil-nil, and that kind of reflected a pretty rotten game. Um, and it was certainly come down to what we just seen before our very eyes at the Erzade Arena just uh, a short while earlier. However, more of that in a minute. Uh, Dinamo surprised us on Friday evening. Yes, away to Ural Yekaterinburg. Yeah. They got a vital 2-0 draw, which leaves them on 15 points in 15th place, like you said last week. <laughs> like you said last week, and well, we said last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I follow this team now. It's just I amazing. Know. They're just like 13 <laughs> points in 13th place, 14 points in 14th place, now 15. My They're goodness. the best, I think. Like, yeah. No one could repeat this trick. No, uh, well, at least they can't go any lower than 16. Well, 16 points in 16th, they could be very, very soon. So, okay, so they're in automatic relegation trouble after uh, Angie, uh, Angie Makhachkala 1-2-1 away to Amkar Perm. Though, fear not, Dinamo It That was a very, very valuable point and not one that I certainly thought you were going to get. So, Dinamo are only three points away from 12th place, so there's no need for panic just yet. Loco and Siska, they faced off on Sunday in what was an amazing and by far away the most combustible match of the round and the season so far. The referee was having a pre-off day and shocked even the hardened, the most hardened Siska fans when he gave last week's hero, Pontus Wernblum, only a yellow for a pretty nasty assault on one of them, Ranchuks. That was the LO. That's right, yeah, when he came uh, flying in. And I mean, it should have been a second red card for Siska in a match where their players were, you know, they were surrounding the referee, screaming in his face. It was really, really terrible. And worse, when uh, Jefferson Farfan was dragged down uh, on goal, uh, Siska's Vassin basically jumped on his back and was playing piggybacker, uh, riding like a donkey. And, um, you know, it, it was a definite red card, not just a penalty, but Vassin just got a yellow. Yeah, so, and of course, he didn't yeah. score from that uh, penalty, of course. It was terrible from Fernandez. Uh, it was saved, of course, by Akin Five. So that game ended 2 2, and the near 20,000 crowd were at least relieved that their own side didn't lose. And in any case, the Zenit result meant that Loco stayed top three points ahead of Zenit. Uh, Krasnodar, they beat Tosno 3 1 and leapfrogged. Everything's about leaping and leaping and jumping on backs. Uh, Siska had to go third, six points behind Loco. And of course, Siska, they have dropped now to fourth uh, place just seven points back so right now uh, we're gonna go uh, across to the UK uh, because it was a pretty nasty weekend some sort of bad vibes going on for Leonid Sluske our very very own uh, ex-Siska and uh, Russia coach uh, hashtag uh, as I explained uh, in the last show hashtag Slutsky out is trending so we're gonna go to the deputy editor of the Daily Mirror Paul Cochran and Paul can you hear us evening yes I can hear you loud and clear so listen, Paul, the last time you were on, um, we were very positive and you were very, very positive about uh, Leonid, but uh, things have gone a bit pear-shaped. They have, yeah. So it all came to a head on Saturday with the third defeat in a row. And this was quite a miserable one against um, a local rival, Sheffield United. Uh, 4-1 defeat. Obviously, Hull City were in the Premier League last year. Sheffield United were in League One last year, so there was a two two division difference mm-hmm. uh, up to this season. But you wouldn't you wouldn't know it because Sheffield United have, have rocketed near to the top of the table. Hull City are now just two places above the relegation zone, four points away from the relegation zone after after that bad run. So I think the um, the emotions after the game. Um, for fans was um, enhanced by the fact that it was a local rival that had smashed us for one. So there were there were fans after the game who were um, posting on social media saying, um, you know, he's a lovely guy and really enjoy him and the personality he's got, but he's made no progress in the in the short time he's been with Hull. But I, I don't think it's necessarily a majority yet. I think um, he still has a little bit of um, uh, certainly support from the from the chairman still, the owners, but also I think majority of people are probably still backing him among the fan base as well. I mean, of course, I mean the 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 alarms, of course, they get blamed as well. But um, you know, as you said, like I mean, I've seen some very very positive stuff about uh, Slutsky. You know, they like him, but they're kind of saying, well, he hasn't signed people in and so on and so forth. But I mean. You know, there's only so much a coach can do. And I mean, he was kind of um, like hamstrung from the very, very start of the season with like a lack of signings and injuries and so on. So, I mean, he had it rough to begin with. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, I think the critics of, of um, Leonard Slotsky would still say um, 
he's been dealt a bad hand in terms of the players that he was given. So I don't think he had a huge input into the recruitment, the owners, and there's a head of recruitment who who were the ones that were signing players. But it was more a case of how many great Premier League quality players left the club. Yeah. So, for instance, on Saturday, he had one experienced defender on the team in um, Michael Dawson, the former Spurs and yes, yeah. um, a defender who got a few England caps. But he is very, he's mid-30s now. He's, um, you know... He's winding his, his down his career, basically. Yeah, he's winding down. Yeah, his peak has gone. And alongside him were three juniors, all 19, oh. 20 years old, with, a, with about, say... 30 appearances in oh, first-team football between them. So You can't do anything like that in the championship know, because, I mean, the championship you need, like, you know, experienced players and, and tough players to try and get you back up. And, I mean, if you've got, like, three kids alongside a, a guy who's, like, kind of just gone over the hill slightly, I mean, you don't have it. I mean, you have David Myler who's playing brilliant for Ireland and for Hull, but, again, you need that kind of, like, spine in the team and it doesn't look like you yeah. guys have it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right in your analysis from there. Obviously, if we were near the top of the table, those young players would be enjoying the football and would be no pressure. But now it's getting to the stage where you need those battlers to get a few points and just steady the ship and yeah. make sure we're not in relegation form. Then um, players like David Myler are very, very important. Um, and there's very few and far between of those. Um, perhaps one of the players that I would class in, in his... In his um, to, to his standard, and that's Fraser Campbell, the striker who we re-signed from Crystal Palace in the summer. But other than that, there's not a lot of battlers and scrappers, so it is a little bit worrying. But again, okay. I don't and necessarily blame. And listen, Paul, Suska arrived back in Moscow today. Is bad sign? Sorry, say that again. Uh, Sluski arrived back in Moscow today. Is it a bad sign? Oh, is that How right? Is that right? Um, well, obviously we've got um, an international break now, so he's he's. Um, uh, he spent a lot of time in Hull and he's, he's really um, um, impressed the community with going to lots of events and being photographed and, you know, anyone who stops him in the street will pose for a selfie. Um, so on that kind of thing, he's, he's very much worked the PR as, as the job, but obviously now there's a two-week gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what he's doing in, in Moscow. It may all be personal um, issues, Maybe it's maybe it's transfers. Obviously, the transfer window opens again in you know six weeks or so. So, if he could identify some of the players that he knows from from his his days at Suska Moscow, then you know. Well, that'd be a good. That, good that time. Be Listen, Paul. Um, best case scenario, he he stays in. Um, are you are you for just keeping with him for the time being and just giving him a bit more of a chance and maybe open some. Uh, the transfer budget up a bit from in the new year? Absolutely, yeah. So a lot of teams that come down from the Premier League don't immediately return. Um, Hull City aren't the only team that are struggling this this season. Sunderland came down with Hull from the Premier League this season and they're in even worse shape than, than Hull City and have just sacked the manager. So um, I think the important thing is that this season is one of consolidation, um, we keep our heads away from the relegation battle. Give Slutsky a season to acclimatise to the to the championship and to English football, which is obviously new to him. And you know, perhaps as long as we're not in the trouble, give him the full season, and then give give him the summer of players that he's perhaps wanting to sign himself and and see where we are. So for me. I, you know, I've been to a few of these games recently where we have been very poor, but I, I, I would still say I don't, I don't think he's chance. done such a bad job that that he doesn't deserve a, a continued chance. Listen, that's it, Paul. Listen, thanks for me for that. And this, I, I know this is your day off, so thank you so much for taking the time uh, to you. chat to us. And listen, we will get back on to you. And fingers crossed, Liam will still be in the uh, the hot seat in Hull City uh, in a couple of months. Absolutely. Bye to you guys. Okay, thanks, Paul. Okay, so that was Paul Cochran, who is the deputy editor of the Daily Mirror. So, quick little one. Uh, we got a question about the uh, the 
the African qualifiers. So, of course, there's only uh, three teams of 12 left with a chance and all have just one match uh, left, apart from Senegal and South Africa, who will play each other two times. Uh, in Group A, Tunisia just need a point at home to Libya to qualify, while the Democratic Republic of Congo, they need to beat Guinea by a couple of goals and hope that the Libyans will go and beat Tunisia. Simple as that. Very simple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it could be because Libya, well, Libya are no mugs and they're one of those great underachieving nations. Uh, when I was last there in 2010, it was clear that football was number one. Women, men, kids, they were just so passionate about the sport. Uh, then Gaddafi went and, uh, well, now it's a failed Your state. Tip? My tip? Mm. Uh, well, Tunisia in a heartbeat. I think they'll go through. Uh, of course, Nigeria already through from Group B. Uh, as we predicted, uh, they would be um, many months ago here. Um, Max himself on uh, Capital Sports. Uh, in Group C, it's brown trousers time for Morocco as they travel to the Ivory Coast needing a draw to see them land in Russia next summer. The Ivorians need to win, of course. That's just as simple as that. And although Morocco have a formidable array of talent, they need to be at their very, very best against the Elephants, who will be going for their fourth finals in a row. The Elephants? Yeah, yeah, that's the nickname. What's Morocco's? Uh, I had to think about that one. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, wait, 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 I do. Actually, I know, I know. It's the Atlas Lions, or Lions of the Atlas, or something like that. They're Lions. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, really, really. So, uh, okay, so Group D, is a, that's a four-horse race. Thanks to referee Joseph Lamte, he got a life ban for match manipulation, or... Well, match fixing basically. In the same fixture last year, um, South Africa won that 2 1, but uh, FIFA have ordered a replay, and so the, the sides basically have uh, a playoff. You said four teams are still able to qualify, so the group must be pretty tight. Yeah. I'm just looking at it here yeah. Senegal at top with eight points, Burkina Faso second with six, Cape Verde also have six, then South Africa have four, so Cape Verde have no real chance. Well, yeah, right, you are very, very little. But they need to go to Ouagadougou uh, and beat uh, the Burkinabe 8 or 9 nil, and then uh, still need South Africa and Senegal to do them some favours. So, realistically, yeah, don't be laughing. I pronounced that correctly, by the way. Senegal, I've been practising all day. Senegal, they need a single point for the last two matches, uh, and it means that South Africa are out if that happens. Uh, Burkina Faso, they need to win by a bag full of goals and hope South Africa win one match. So, it's uh, it'll be a second time to the World Cup for the finals for the Lions of Taranga next year. I know some of these countries have players here, like yeah. Kabore. I, yeah. I know he's from Burkina Faso. That's right, that's right. Yeah, Charles Kabore. Yeah, so um, yeah, so he's with Krasnodar, the young Abdul Gafar, who was with the uh, well with Baltic Kliningrad last season. Now he's with Tambov. Uh, Cape Verde, they have two players here: Zay Luis of Spartak Moscow and Nuno Rocha. In he's in uh, Tosno, and uh, Senegal and South Africa. Well, they don't have any players here uh, in playing at the moment. What about the others, like Nigeria and Morocco? Um, no, not as far as I know. Uh, Egypt, they have they've qualified. They have none. Nigeria, oh Nigeria, sorry, they have uh, Olenare from uh, Siska, uh, but he's kind of a fringe player. Tunisian, the Democratic Republic of Congo have none. Um, oh, uh, yeah, so they 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 have no nobody. Okay, Morocco and Ivory Coast, any Russian-based players Jesus, there? Jesus, you're testing me now. Okay, right, so <laughs> yes. I'm afraid no, I'm afraid no. Uh, but I'd probably root for Morocco, as we did Deputy General Director of uh, Nintendo Russia. Remember he was with us, yeah, uh, Hisham, course. yeah, on the Capital Sports Stadium show with on Sunday. Uh, so I'd like to see Morocco. Now, before we go any further, we're going to go out to uh, the break right now with a song. Uh, it's your choice tonight, like I promised last week. Yes, my so, one, my song, what it's have you Pink Tri. Why? why? I, I don't know, I just remember my... Tennis days, probably, and actually, uh, when this song appeared, uh, I think I don't remember um, timing, but still, I was already traveling mostly alone. Hmm? And you always have to find some motivation or something like that. And uh, I mean, that's a really cool okay. song when you are going on match and also after. And so? I was like, really, sometimes preparing and sometimes trying to. Well, Forget just, about bad match. Yeah, <laughs> and just be just 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 be careful in case me and Eli have a, a joke plan back on you and Ollie. So okay, oh, so okay. here it is, uh, <laughs> pink and try. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
and try, try, try. The one and only English speaking station in Moscow. Capital. Capital. So you're back on Capital Sports on Capital FM here in Moscow. Uh, this is the last segment, of course, of the hour of our show. Uh, Ollie Knight is just starting to calm down now a little bit. She got the song right this time, so All we're right. okay. All right, I can do it, okay? Yeah, I know, I know, I believe you. <laughs> Not always. Uh, you can't there you go, you had Pink there singing away in the background. Um, uh, Ollie, what do you reckon? Should we let her pick any more songs in the future? Uh, no. No, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I don't want I love that song. I prefer Alan's uh, choice of, cho- of oh, songs. Ollie, give me five. High give five. me five. No yeah. problem. That was a high five in the back end. Sorry, sorry. You're st- okay. No. Okay. So we're gonna before we go to a call to uh, Paul Little, that absolute genius of a man in Ireland. Uh, we are going to uh, have a little look at the English Premier League, of course, which um, is on a break, of course, because of the uh, international weekend. So Newcastle United lost on Saturday in the English Premier League, uh, one at home to Bournemouth. Johnny will not be happy. Yeah, Johnny Oxenham. <laughs> he was unhappy on Sunday when we met him, but uh, he'll get over it. Uh, another result on Saturday, which had a major effect, but uh, more of that in a moment. West Ham. Yeah, oh. yeah. And what about Super Sunday? Okay, all right. Okay, one at a time. So, okay, so Super Sunday. Well, it kind of lived up to his name. Uh, while we were taking care of business in Russia at the Urgent Day Arena, uh, Spurs down Crystal Palace 1-0. Uh, Man City steamrolled over Arsenal 3-1. And Chelsea beat United 1-0, as we discussed already with Danny Armstrong. Uh, there was real rancor at that match between Conte and Mourinho uh, with the usual posture in front of two idiots. Were they fighting? Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. They sort yeah. of they they, they oh, made yeah. a big deal of the post-match handshake. You know, <laughs> listen, that just quickly on that uh, handshakes after tennis matches. Have you ever had any problems where someone wouldn't shake your hand? Um, yeah, of course, and I also did. Really? I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't shake hands with a person. Yes, yes. Oh. It dep- yeah, it depends. Give a name, on... name, name. No, I don't <laughs> want to tell you. Are you friends with her again? <laughs> Is she French? Uh, no, 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 she's not French and oh. yeah, yeah, she, I, I, no, no, that time I've shaken the hand, but still uh, I have a couple players with whom I didn't shake the hands and also right. the empires and uh, it's always like this when you're uh, like in this kind of emotions and when you always think that someone uh, like go against you, you know, and the empire is also and we have a lot of examples like when the tennis players don't shake uh, Chirapova, Chirapova, Bouchard, yeah. but that was a and actually this is the fine. When it's really? like big tournaments, yeah. When, when you don't, when you don't shake the hand nonsense, of champion, it's fine. Does she come from the heart? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so okay, so that has left Man City. They're top of the Premier League on 31 points. Uh, second truth th- through to fourth are Man United, Chelsea, and Spurs. United and Spurs are level on 23 points apiece. Uh, Chelsea have 22 points, and in fifth place, Liverpool have 19. So Liverpool hammered the hammers on Sunday or Saturday, sorry, 4-1. And finally, the reign of error was over. My former colleague Slaven Bilic, well, he was fired, and of course, there the usual pretenders looking for his job. You told me before you got on well with him. Uh-huh. So why the change of heart? Well, look, I mean, basically at the time he was... Um, like I, I, I know Slav for 15 years now and uh, basically he was like playing both sides against the middle. He was like selling a player that he was also an agent for and it was like really, really wrong. So anyway, uh, listen, before we go in, we have a Liverpool fan on the phone, of course. We have Paul Little. Uh, Paul, how are you doing? I'm very good, Alan. Thanks for asking. Hello, Paul. That's great. So we're here in the studio in like kind of freezing cold Moscow. What's it like back in Dublin? Or I know you're in, you're exactly. in Wicklow. You're in Wicklow right now. I'm up high in our in our small mountains, Alan. So oh. we're we're uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we're about two or three degrees actually. It's a bit of a cold snap at the moment. Oh, well, uh, two or three degrees, would you stop making the shows? Listen, Paul, <laughs> uh, you're on it. Uh, of course, I'm not going to speak about Liverpool because you'd be just gloating. So, um, yeah. well, you know, uh, well done, Liverpool. You're in fifth place at the moment. You will move up. Um, so we're going to have a chat about the uh, European uh, qualifiers, which we haven't uh, spoken about yet. Uh, so we've got Northern Ireland playing Switzerland uh, tomorrow. Croatia and Greece also tomorrow. Uh, Denmark and Ireland on Saturday. And, of course, in between that, then the Swedes are playing the Italians on the 10th. So... Of course, you're going to be watching and covering the uh, Denmark Ireland game. Which of the other three catches your fancy? Which of the others? Uh-huh. Um, it's a tricky one, and it's going to be turning ten very close. I have a feeling that uh, Northern Ireland um, actually might come through against the split, which would be a bit of a shock, I think. Oh, um, I think yeah. I, I just you know after the European Championships, you might have thought that things might have slipped a little bit for Northern Ireland, having qualified for the first uh-huh. time in a long time. Uh, but they didn't, and they kept on going. And they come to a tougher group, I think, True. than the Swiss. And people think Swiss are very unlucky, uh, you know, getting nobbled in the very last game by Portugal. But that was a very 
it was an easy group, really, you know, to be honest. And I think Northern Ireland is easy to be found on. Well, what, and what are real Irish chances to qualify? I mean, Sorry, say that again? I said, what are Ireland real chances to qualify? Oh, against Denmark, I think we're talking 50-50. Yeah, I think but that, it's always fifty-fifty. I mean, like it's the easiest way to answer. Come on, <laughs> you can do better. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think yeah. Well, with Ireland, again, the likes of Denmark were very, very close in terms of standard. I think uh, the big difference is that Denmark have a quality player in Eriksson who plays in a part of the field where he can really influence things, whereas Ireland's best player, same as Coleman plays at fullback and he's injured anyway. So yeah. I think it's going to be very, very tight. We'll keep it really, really tight. The whole point, I think it's really going to hang on the first leg because Ireland has been quite good in the qualifiers in their away games. They beat Wales away. They drew with Serbia. They beat Austria. Uh, so I think in the home games, at the same time, they lost against uh, Serbia and they only drew against Austria and Wales. So I think Ireland probably need to get a goal away from home and hope to hang on, I think, in, in Dublin. Well, I mean, Ireland are like, you know, they are a pretty good side when, when, when they're up against it. I mean, Martin O'Neill has kind of instilled that into the team. Uh, we were yeah. speaking with uh, Magnus Kraft from Denmark just a little bit earlier on, and he said the same thing, like, you know, Ireland sort of have this team spirit. Um, do you reckon, like, you know, do Ireland really need to play to their maximum in this? Because I, I, I don't fancy the Danes, honestly. I, I don't think they're up to that much. Yeah, well, it's very hard to tell, really, because even kind of hard to tell what the Irish maximum is. <laughs> we can be quite conservative. At times, uh, and I think really the, uh, probably our, our our best suit is our defensive capability and our I suppose our spirit, as you say, yeah. it's difficult to know with the Danes. Again, they came to a you know, uh, you know, a, a similar kind of a group. Um, but uh, you know, we we did it against Bosnia in the European Championship qualifiers, True. and I don't think people were necessarily expecting that. And I think it's going to be quite similar. Um, but really, it could go any which way. Maybe our luck might run out this time. That's what I fear. Well, listen, we we you know we beat the Danes, uh, you know, on Good Friday in ten fourteen. So you know, <laughs> it's, it's like a thousand and you've got a long memory, huh? Oh well, I mean, I was only a young kid back then, but uh, listen, <laughs> a thousand and three years later, can you, you imagine know, I have to work with him? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Hold on, listen, Paul. They already her and Ollie have set me up with a song earlier on. Uh, I wanted to play a bit of Bee Gees, and then they stuck on right. uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. So I mean, all right, you'll get your song. Yeah, okay. I know. I'm waiting for my song to go because like I wanted to try go to war uh, but for another day but then they decided to play it on me today but but listen Paul finally just before we let you go um, if you know if, if if all goes well um, you know and, and Ireland go through uh, who would you like to get uh, who, who would you like Ireland to get in the group would you like them to go into the uh, Russian group the group A uh, well Russia are doing quite poorly lately so that probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world uh, <laughs> to be honest Alan what I like is when, when Ireland gets the World Cup I like us to get somebody big and somebody different yeah. So it'd be great to be with Brazil or with somebody like Argentina, somebody we haven't faced before. And uh, I don't mind losing against the good teams. Uh, and I like to give it a chance to give it a go against them. So I'd love to see someone like Brazil or Argentina. That's brilliant. Listen, Paul, thank you so, so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. So that's Paul Little at Little Football. Paul, thanks for being. We'll talk to you after the playoffs. Okay, take care. Thank yourself. you. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, so very, very quickly before we go away, we are uh, looking now very, very quickly at the European football roundup from last week. Of course, Lokomotiv, they suffered defeat against Sharif at the Erjade Arena uh, when they were really outgunned and outplayed by a pretty motivated uh, Moldovan side. It was 2 1. Was that a fair result for you, Katarina? Well, actually, yes. Uh, the Moldovans played quite well. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, they were. We yeah. said that at the time. It was very tight match and no uh, one one new locomotive were, uh, they were up but i don't know what happened yeah but the sheriff they played really really solid game and That's very true. good quality like all 90 minutes they play unbelievable exactly. quality that's exactly it I mean of course uh, Lokomotiv lost uh, the goalkeeper Guillermo which was a huge loss for yeah, him that, that was yeah, really not yeah, good that, 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 that hit them on Sunday as well because the, the reserve goal just wasn't up to it uh, Zenit they drew up in Rosenborg and then their fans wrecked the stadium up there Badly. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they blamed everyone but themselves. And it was kind of parallel with what happened the day before uh, between Spartak and, and Sevilla, uh, when the Spartak fans basically uh, wrecked uh, Sevilla as well. Oh, will this cause problems for the World Cup? I'd hope not, because the, the same kind of, well, the idiots, as uh, Alexander Zotter would say, like, I mean, they, they caused this problem, but... 
you know, hopefully it'll it'll be uh, fixed up. But uh, you know, well, look, look, let's not let's not depress ourselves. Let's try and go out on something good. So I'm fingers crossed that we're going to have something good to go out with. We will <laughs> have the well, we will have a very very good song that everyone kind of pumped up, and you'll feel like you're John Travolta all over. We'll have our like our gigolo shirts all walking on the street, all that. So, Ollie, nice. Thank you very much. Thank you for the surprise Thank earlier you. on. I mean, that was the best surprise I got. That was the best birthday surprise. Thank you, Catherine. Happy birthday. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, Catherine. And thank you very much. And she got me a lovely present as well, a scarf. So I won't freeze, and I'll have a, a, a good throat for yeah, next week. Winter is coming. Come exactly. On. So <laughs> next week, hopefully, we'll be back. That'll be the fifteenth. We're back next week, and we'll be back with Ireland on the way here to Russia. So uh, if that happens, you will Do see you remember me. Remember my hashtag. Yeah, hashtag pray for Ireland. <laughs> so if that happens next week, just play this song and just imagine me walking through the streets of Moscow. This is the BGS and staying live. Talk to you guys next week. Capital Sport.